0: Don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma it. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast, and we are in a special midweek edition, mainly because the national champion game was played on Monday and we didn't want to record right beforehand. So this gives us a chance to talk about some stuff that happened. Uh, I'm joined as always by Alan Kenny. Uh, Matt is not here today, doing some thunder stuff. Uh, you know, we, we can't blame him for for keeping the day job. Uh, you know, happy. But Alan, how are you doing, man? How's it going on the East Coast? Oh,
1: you know, uh, all good out here, man. You know, end of the season, but uh, now we get to
0: delve into all that fun offseason stuff, right? Yeah, that's true. Fun, capital F fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how was? Let's talk talk about that real fast. I mean as someone who's been watching college football for a while, you know, myself included, but you someone who's been writing about it, writing about you know, OU football and, you know, national, you know, national stuff uh, for different on different outlets and things of that nature. How would you sum up 2022 and uh, it's college football season with well, Georgia kind of, I guess they, they weren't technically wire to wire. I can't remember yeah. if Bama was number one or I'll say it was number one a couple of times, uh, but how, how would you sum this up uh, from a, from a writer's standpoint?
1: Oh well, you know, I mean, it's kind of ominous in a certain sense because, um, I mean, Georgia feels a lot like Alabama did at one point, you know, mm-hmm. in the last decade, uh, but maybe even more so just because Georgia has such a um, strong, strong recruiting base. I mean, you know, it's not like Alabama's isn't, but I mean, the state of Georgia a is a difference, yeah. yeah. And I think that uh, you know, looking at it like that, I mean, it just and doing this with, you know, uh, a team of all new players uh, felt, felt like at least, you know, I mean, they sent so many guys to the NFL last year. I mean, it's just kind of one of these things where, uh, you know, for the next, you know, decade, you know, we need to just prepare ourselves that Georgia, I mean, they're not going to win every single national championship in that 10 year span, but they're going to be right there. Um, that, you know, that was, that was kind of one of the bigger takeaways for me. Um you know, uh, I don't know college football. It, it's it's always fun in the spec in the specifics and the uh, you know the week to week, but <laughs> you end up seeing a lot of the same stories over and over. You know what I mean? It, it, it Georgia isn't necessarily a team that has the same kind of uh, pedigree as like Notre Dame or Alabama or Oklahoma or what have you, but uh, you know you still kind of get the feeling like the uh, sec monster is still
0: uh you know kind of runs the show there yeah to, to me it's especially when it comes to georgia i always thought georgia was running into a thing where i thought oh this is just another sabin disciple set up in a monstrous recruiting area with you know outlandish resources but he's still a stable disciple and he's very hard-nosed defensively. They weren't quite getting over the hump. They weren't beating the, you know, the, the, you know, because right now culture was in the era of the big offense, the big O <laughs> to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And I, that was kind of like, well, they're going to be stuck in there. The, the model they're trying to build or the early 2010s Alabama teams, you know, those teams wouldn't, they would get blown off the field at this point in time <laughs> to, <laughs> to a certain degree. And I kept thinking, well, they're not going to make over the hump. And then to see Kirby basically, you know, what, within a span of three years did what completely retrofitted the offense and hired the right guys and got out of the way. And now while the defense is great, I won't say they're not, I would love to have those players sued up for the university of Oklahoma. This offense was, I, I believe SP plus out there, the first or second best offense, you know, analytically, mm-hmm. and statistically, <laughs> it, it's not, what we think it is where it's like, Oh, it's just a ground and pound team. That's a really tough defense. Like no Kirby changed his stripes. Yeah. Fairly early in his coaching career, which is to me like a really big story and something that could keep them from faltering like a Clemson did um, because of the ability to see where things are going and change that way. I mean, do you, do you kind of see that part of Georgia where it's like this, they have i think they have almost a unique ability due to the recruiting to be kind of like nebulous in the way they approach the game
1: yeah i mean you look at it well first of all like think about I mean, if you if you think about like the store some of the stories around these teams that when they win a national <clears throat> championship you know you have um dabo who's obviously you know i mean you know for all his uh hokiness is you know charismatic dude very much a, a personality uh you know you read you hear about nick saban um and he, he made probably less personality there but the same kind of aura around him right mm-hmm. you don't get that with kirby smart he's very much i mean you know he's uh you know, you listen to something like a pregame speech, maybe you take a, get a different takeaway, but he's not the kind of guy who is trying to um, command headlines or make make waves or make noise. I mean, you know, it, it's a it's very, very machine like yeah. uh, in their approach, uh, you know, and, and and I just it's you know, it's not particular. I mean, it's got to be fun if you're excuse me if you're a Georgia fan, but. Man, it's it's just kind of boring, you know. I mean, there's just it's just
0: ruthless competence all over the place, you know. Yeah, it's a, uh, and I think that is something that's a, that's maybe you know, admirable to hear Kirby Smart when he talks about it. When he, when the people ask him about his coaching and things of that, and he almost always says, "My job is to get good players in here, and then get out yeah. the way." I mean, it's right. like he he, he has he is zero. He just, not, and he, it, this is not a Jimbo Fisher guy. Who's like, I'm, I'm coaching these dudes up. I'm the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. He's very much aware I'm winning because I have all of these dudes. who yeah. Every NFL team wants on their team. You know? It, yeah. He, he doesn't play around like that. You know, And that's something that's somewhat refreshing, but like you said, you really can't hang a hat on them to a certain degree. Like yeah. you really can't say, you know, wear the black hat and all that type of stuff. Now, Personally, looking on the outside, I could easily see myself hating Sets and Bennett if I really wanted to. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, easy, yeah. <laughs> but cool story, all the way, all that kind of stuff, you know, the scrappiness, everything. I do wonder what happens, though, with this offense when they get a – I can't remember who wrote it, uh, but they kind of wrote, like, five-star quarterbacks just shouldn't go that Georgia. It's like they, they're going to put in the guy who's going to make the simple plays over and over again because they don't have to have a five-star quarterback They're one mm-hmm. of the only teams that don't have to have that. Yeah. I do wonder what happens once you get a more dominant quarterback personality in that spot who wants to make more plays and, and it becomes more QB focused as a, as opposed to like team focused or, you know, like the ruthless uh, competency, as mm-hmm. you said. Yeah. I mean, but, but Georgia, I mean, what Georgia shares though, too, with,
1: uh you know like in Alabama when Alabama went on its started its big run. I mean physically it's just yeah. night and day compared to everybody else. I mean, you know, clearly like Ohio State, for example, has a ton of skill. Ohio State has a bunch of guys who are gonna be playing in the NFL and it's still just Georgia just looks different. You know what I mean? Like it's uh it's just a different kind of deal. And I believe it was, Bud Elliot, I heard him talking this week. He's, he's like, you know, if you, if you listen to uh, coaches who go, you know, in the off season, go visit like Georgia or go and go where their practices and observe he's, he's what, what Bud said is like, the thing that stands out to them every time isn't like some kind of special offense or defense or what it's the fact that they're, they're able to hit so much and be so physical and practice because they're so loaded. You know, they don't look at it as oh no, if if our uh you know defensive end goes down, we're we got we don't have a pass rush anymore. They just put the next guy right in. You know, I mean, like that's the kind of stuff that when you talk about building depth, I mean those are the kinds of like hidden advantages that if, as a fan you don't normally think of, but think about how much Better your
0: preparation can be if you're if you're able to be more physical. Yeah, and we talked. I mean, you, you talked about Ohio State, you know, being able to stand up on the skill position side of things and really had that game in hand until Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. goes mm-hmm. down, and all of a sudden they're, you know, I, to a degree, the best player on the field that day goes down. Uh, yeah, so things change very quickly, and even shows you that Ohio State, a team that's been, I think, a top three recruiter for the last five years doesn't have a next man up, you know, to, to yeah. really be that next guy up. And Georgia, they have got dudes. I mean, it's, it's yeah. One of the two tight ends, or we'll throw to a dude named Lad. I mean, it's yeah. like, we've got guys. It does That yeah. part doesn't matter. Um, you know, and in Ohio State, they struggled, you know, on the line in interior. I mean, I think what you could have done, you obviously can't. If you were to, like, zombie mesh Michigan and Ohio State together, you could have yeah. been built a team <laughs> to, to yeah. have done it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I mean, and Ohio state very nearly did, you yes. know, and it, and it, and it kind of speaks to, if you're Georgia, you don't have to have a great quarterback. If you're Ohio yeah. state, which in this case, I mean, think about what we're saying here. You're talking about probably the second best, third best team in the country. Uh, if you're Ohio state and you didn't have CJ Stroud in there and you just had you know you had your version of a Stetson Bennett you'd be in serious trouble like that's what it's going to take now if you don't have these overwhelming resources are are you know a couple of you know just super high level draft picks at at those important positions like receiver and quarterback you know
0: yeah because if I want to try to look it up real fast here yards yeah if oh wow uh if Ohio State had an offensive line, which could have gotten some level of push. They could have ran that game out. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you could, and they just couldn't. On the other side, Georgia, Ohio State sold out, sold out everything and said, you will not run and, and held Georgia to 135 yeah. yards. And then Seth and Bennett throws for 400. I mean, that's, yeah. you just hang a hat and say, congrats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we said, "Shoot, you know, we're going to put your bad shooter on a three-point line, leave him wide open, and he just made the shots. What are you had yeah. to? I mean, yeah. at that point in time, bad beat, as they would say in the uh, uh, in the in the uh, extracurricular world. But we've spoken all this time and didn't even have even mentioned the other team yeah. that was in the national championship game, TCU, who now looking at it seems to have won their national championship by beating Michigan, proving the point. Uh, I remember I was, I was listening to the radio call it was like after the first series, Max Duggan is sucking oxygen and they're talking about how exhausted he was after the Michigan game. Now he had to be on bed rest or whatever for a couple of days. And I was like, oh yeah, they're just screwed then <laughs> Yeah, at that point in time. Uh, and even then at TCU early had guys getting open, had some separation. Duggan just was just missing them. And y- you can't the the way the Michigan game worked for them is that everything that could go right kind of did go right and then the Georgia game beyond just being completely outmatched everything went wrong all at once uh what do you have to say because I think it's a fairly stupid argument of these people who are like now we've got people who are AP voters like saying oh TCU's ninth overall they're seventh overall fifth overall they should have never even been there yada 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 I mean it, it just seems fairly stupid right I mean they won all the games they needed to win, and then they beat the Big Ten champion
1: <laughs> to yeah. be in that spot. <laughs> well, and that's the part where I'm just like, "Come on, man! Like, they it's it's so one thing that we we really really don't get. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're playing in a Sun Belt or what, man. Like, it is so hard to go undefeated." Yeah. in a college football season and TCU didn't, but it's, it's hard to win 12 games, 12 out of 13 games. I mean, but getting to where they did and then beating, you know, I mean, that's one other thing too, is everybody seems to think that the big 10 is like this number is like this, you know, really tough conference, the number two conference out there, yeah. you know, and it, I don't, I don't look at it at all like that. Personally, I think they've got one, you know one of elite program in ohio state and then another you know really good one in michigan but point being like you can't you can't set aside like oh you know tcu went out and beat michigan uh you know a team that that you know, it was everybody's saying was you know a clear number two at that point in time mm-hmm. i i just i don't know i don't have any time for that and you know i mean if you want, if you want to do it, if you if you think that TCU was the ninth best team in the country this year, I I mean, you know what, like if we're power rating this tomorrow and I'm stacking up teams, I, I I'd certainly hear you out. Uh, you, you might be right, but like it, it doesn't matter. Like they put together a really really great season.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it's. This is something that will be, should be, and will be celebrated by the TCU fan base. I hope so. Even while being completely blown out. What what was the final score? Like by 50 or something, like 60 or something. uh, It doesn't matter. They got there. It's kind of like we proved a point. (laughs) And and I think that's all you needed to do. Uh, I mean, TCU was in the Mountain West 12 years ago. Or or however long. I mean, they they were in the Big East for, for what, an offseason? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it was this rise to where they were 20 years ago when Gary Patterson first took over that program in 2001 to where they are now just doesn't happen. I mean, it just does not yeah. happen over the grand scheme of, of, of college football. I mean, teams do not bubble up. The teams that do bu- bubble up are stuff like Miami, you No, know, they kind mm-hmm. of came out of nowhere, but it's like, Oh yeah, it makes sense. They have all this talent just around them yeah. everywhere. It's a little bit different at Texas Christian, a little small, religious private institution yeah uh, when you have the university of texas and texas a&m in the backyard who should be the team that tcu was this year mm-hmm. You're um, right but that said they need to celebrate it because i don't think next year it's going to do go all that great for tcu uh, <laughs> on the long term of things
1: yeah i mean you know and it's kind of one of these things coming into this game like i, I mentioned it right beforehand like like it, it, you know some research that i'm doing for a piece i'm, I'm working on I I did not realize how old TCU's Mm -hmm. team was, but I, you know, so much of what I think we're seeing right now, the more I've looked at it, I mean, you've got so many of the quote unquote super seniors, you know, or, you know, guys who were in there. I I saw today, there's some guy who got like his eighth year of eligibility granted or something, but I mean, you know, a lot of guys who are playing in their fifth, sixth season, uh, that's a, that's a, it's probably a bigger deal than anybody could have imagined when, you know, when all this went down with the, uh, with the COVID year, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, they took advantage of everything they had and they went forward. That was a great turnaround by Sunny Dykes. Let's see. I want to see what they're able to do moving forward, you know, to continue continuing this program as it moves forward into the new world of the big 12 with uh, Texas and uh, Oklahoma, no, transitioning out of the big 12 into the sec it will be interesting to see who kind of makes it out of the uh, of the dust cloud at the end of the day because uh, i can tell you right now it does not seem like oklahoma state seems to care <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least on the football program side of things uh what, what happens maybe they're sitting back saying let's just let, let's instead of like a mad rush into the unknown let's just wait and see what happens and then do something and maybe that's the plan but it does seem like – I just want to get a jab in Oklahoma, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State Cowboys. It does seem like they've just – to a certain degree, Mike Gundy has waved the flag uh, when it comes to modern-day recruiting within IL and, and all the whole thing. Uh, is that – I guess we'll a side topic real fast. Is that generally generally surprising for you to see not guys leaving Oklahoma State because I think it was going to happen as the Big 12 is kind of uh, lower than prestige. Just the amount of people who are leaving and, like, start – like. I think you you wrote on Twitter, oh, you had 13 uh, defensive um, transfers, only one making it to a Power uh, mm-hmm. power Five school. Uh, Oklahoma, that's not the case in Oklahoma State. They've got multiple guys going to actual football programs. Um, this yeah, is like them I mean, transferring to Texas State. I mean, they're losing actual talent and good talent.
1: Yeah. You know, you look at it, guys like Mason Cobb going to USC, right? You've got Trace Ford going to OU. I don't know. Has has? Spencer Sanders landed anywhere yet?
0: He has not. But the the rumor mill. And I don't know how uh-huh. true it is. All that kind of stuff is that he put himself in the portal and he asked to say, "Hey, didn't work out." And Gundy said, "Nope." Yeah, <laughs> to run I mean, the guys we got.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I look, look, man. I have my doubts about what spencer sanders really couldn't accomplish at another program or yeah, even yeah. At a, i mean i don't i don't think that it's you know and there's nothing that makes me think that he'd be a this this godsend the missing piece but yeah <laughs> but yeah you it's just man it it's kind of just a, it, it in a lot of ways it sucks because it looks like they're they're just essentially turning into almost like a farm team you know, for uh for these other larger programs. I think we've we've spoken about that before. Um and you know, regardless of, of your feelings about Oklahoma State, like that's that's not a fun thing, you know, for the program. <laughs> um so yeah I mean it just they they're gonna need to see you know kind of rethink some things, figure out, you know, kind of where the money's coming from. And I I also think this is you know we we kind of think of gundy as being kind of untouchable there because of all the success he's had and his tenure and and all not but this is kind of the first time when i've ever looked at it and felt like at least among kind of the rank and file fans i don't know how the big time boosters feel but at least among the rank and file fans it feels like there's more irritation with how this is going than uh, there has been in a while
0: yeah that's yeah <laughs> I think, because in the past, we'd kind of, like you'd mentioned, it's been kind of said that he was untouchable. In the past, I remember T-Boom wanted him gone. Like, I mean, like, he oh, yeah, fought yeah. back and forth. I mean, they, he wasn't like ever truly safe. And then once the big, you know, the big booster, you know, obviously passed mm. away and everything and things like really calmed down, uh, you know, for him, because you didn't have a guy throwing millions of dollars in the program, demanding the program to be better. Um, but I, I, it's getting to the point Tour. yeah, you can see it on Twitter and stuff when he say, when he like tries to be mean to a reporter. You know, there's some OSU fans, you know, saying yeah, that's our coach and stuff. But it's just getting more and more and more to the point to where I mean, he has had an, a phenomenal run, a complete unimaginable run at a school like uh, the University of Oklahoma, uh, and the uh, Oklahoma State University. Uh, at that point in time, potentially their their best football coach who's been on there. I mean, obviously you can look at, you know, Jimmy Johnson and Les Miles mm-hmm. and stuff, but they didn't succeed at Oklahoma state at this level. Uh, you know, just, Oh, just a whisper away from a national championship or, or a playoff appearance. Uh, but maybe it's just passed him by. Maybe this is like a Mullen case at Florida where it's like, you have to recruit dude. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. you, just, you can't not, I mean, I mean but you're like up you... a three transfer.
1: Right. But like, You can also imagine what it's got, how much it's got to suck to be a college football. Like, no, the the, it's. I'm sure that that winning is fun. I'm sure all the money, of course, is great. But, like, I would be, I would be tired of doing of a recruit one one year doing one year recruiting. I can't imagine doing it for my entire life like that. Like, you know, I mean, it's and especially at a place like Oklahoma State where you know you don't have the tradition you don't have like the you know population base just right there you gotta
0: really work i mean it's i don't know man that's uh that's not fun yeah i know i mean i I think we all kind of think about that for like the ncaa uh Uh, EA Sports football type of thing where it's like you hit a couple buttons and you've done your recruiting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're like on Snapchat with them and you're like jumping on the Fortnite and it's like, just kill me now, man. Like I have, I'm 34 and I'm like, I would never want to do that. And these are like old dudes. (laughs) I can't believe it.
1: Or like, you know, you got to like, you know, you hear stories about guys like, especially when they're younger, you know, like GAs or, uh, you know, analysts or whatever. Helping out on recruiting weekends, like got to carry some, some Player recruits girlfriend's purse around, you know, <laughs> or something. Or you know, it's just like God. It's got to
0: be terrible, man. Um, on a on the note of that part about the pro the health of a program, uh, the University of Oklahoma has potentially increased the health of its program with hiring Emmett Jones, formerly of Texas Tech wide receiver uh, passing coordinator, now assuming the exact same role over at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, I I luckily was able to have um. Chris, AKA QB3QB3 on Twitter from Viva Los Matadores, to talk about uh, Emmett Jones and his, uh, you know, his, his aspect from him from Texas Tech. And from all accounts, Texas Tech fans are upset. They're leaving. Upset. He's gone. Not in, like they're mad at him. It's like, that sucks. Like, he's a really yeah. good coach, a really good recruiter, very connected. This is not a dude we wanted to lose. I mean, they gave him a, a promotion and everything to keep him. You know, McGuire was able to, you know, get him away. Uh and now OU is able to further deepen its connection in you know the heart of Texas, that North Texas area, and the Dallas, uh, you know Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, have you had a chance to, to, or has anyone like mentioned anything about about this being like a win for Oklahoma? Uh, you know, from that perspective, as just from them being able to pull a coach out from Texas Tech, and just as him, just what he brings to the program. Oh gosh, I mean that. Yeah, everything I've heard has been very complimentary, like you said.
1: Um, You know, there were some names. There have been some names, obviously bandied about here. The big one, of course, is Malcolm Kelly with TCU. I mean, he's an Mm -hmm. alum. You know, Um, then you know another name that was out there was Rashad Samples, who ended up going over to uh, Arizona State from the from the Rams. Now, you know, and and I I got the allure from a recruiting standpoint with samples because i mean his name rings out especially like in the dfw yeah. area i mean there's just no there's no denying it the guy's never coached receivers before um i you know and and i feel like just based on what i saw this season uh at OU's receivers like they do need somebody in that room and it's not that Damian washington didn't do you know Yeoman's work, given what he the situation is put in with Kel Gundy getting fired, but I mean, they they need a, a coach, and I I mean, you know, Emma Jones has. Co- I felt like he did a good job there at Tech this season with with what I saw, and I mean, going back to the samples thing, I mean, Emma Jones is another guy though who has deep deep recruiting ties in DFW, uh so you know, it, it's certainly a win there. I. I i I don't know. I mean, I think he checks like every single box that you could have asked for in in this particular case, even if he's not some a big shiny name necessarily,
0: yeah, I think that's I think that's probably the one thing that if you're from the outside looking in um and, and I don't know, maybe if you're more on the casual side of the fan base or casual side of college football. If you are, you probably don't care who OU hired as a white yeah, coach. Yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah, that name doesn't ring a bell as much as like Malcolm Kelly would have. Obviously, that would have you know let's shake the coffers, let's get the boosters rounded up. You know, you could have like done a thing about that. You know, play the rap, you know, play the song mm-hmm. when you get tired and everything. It would have been a thing. Uh, but at the same time, I think maybe this is a chance. To, and there's been you know rumors of, you know, was Malcolm Kelly offered and all that type of stuff? And did he turn down Oklahoma? I mean, who knows the, the full details of all those things. But I think this is more of Brent being a, more of maybe a mature patient program builder um, and going after a guy who, like you said, may not be the top name, but may be a better fit overall for the University of Oklahoma. I mean, this is a guy who's going to be able to coach, a guy who was a former uh, coach in uh, South Cliff down in, uh, yeah, in the Dallas, South Dallas area, who is connected to the high school, you know, college, uh, sorry, Texas high school coaches and that fraternity. That's super, super important. I mean, that, that aspect, not just like kids know who he is, families know who he is being connected to that high school coaching fraternity down in Texas is just a complete godsend for the University of Oklahoma. If they want to continue to recruit, um, you know, in Texas, uh, as they're going more and more heads up against Texas and, and AM and uh, with the sec badge uh, on their chest uh, the one thing i did want to mention though and it's something maybe now we can i didn't give it potentially full credit uh when it happened and um in seeing how like you said uh, uh washington was able to do some yeoman's work there brent making the decision he did with kel gundy and making it fairly quickly fairly succinctly and saying we are moving on this you know Kel had done has done you know, countless things for the university. Been here forever, but this type of thing we have to move on from immediately. And the team didn't scramble. There wasn't like a panic hire or anything of that nature. It took their time and went through it, and then made you know, from all accounts, a very solid football hire. Looking back at that, is that something that we can put in the positive column for Brent? Like the wins didn't work, but we're seeing so many positives of what a head coach should do when it comes to like staff management and expectation management and culture management. Uh, Do you think that is something like looking back now and seeing how this has finally come, the circle's finally been closed with hiring Emmett Jones, that maybe that's something we didn't pay as much attention on as we should have.
1: Well, it's kind of one of those things where there's the whole coach as CEO versus football coach. Right. And I, I have been impressed by the the managerial side of things for for Brent honestly the kind of what you would consider leadership you know which Mm -hmm. you know you know the executive function so to speak um and, and that's that's one I mean I think that he didn't you know I mean he recognized he didn't really that that the situation would be would become untenable fairly quickly I think with with gundy and made the made this move and like you know i mean kale gundy has has like you said he's done so much ace recruiter really um but you know i mean the guy the guy played quarterback in college the guy was you know really made his bones kind of as a as a running back running backs coach i'm not so sure that that this isn't even in the longer term maybe a you know uh better for the better for the program to have a you know an actual receivers coach in there um so you know i mean all i I, that that's the kind of the part of it where like you know i really do hope that that this works out for venables not just because i'm a fan but because like i like the way he's i see him approaching building up ou's program for kind of the long haul you know making it building a durable program and that's a good example yeah
0: so now we're going to transition to the last talking point we have this for this week. It's a, it's a bit of a short public, uh, but <clears throat> public episode, uh, the reports out of Norman and Starkville, uh, Stark <laughs> is that uh, they'll be hiring a new AD one. Uh, what's he, an associate AD or something along those, uh, along that title here at the university of Oklahoma, uh, Zach Selman, you know, obviously connected to the famous Selman brothers, uh, who played uh, at the university of Oklahoma. Uh, it does seem to be, he was being somewhat, uh, prepared or coached or uh, mentored by Joseph, uh, Joseph, Joe Castiglione uh, to, to, to take over once uh, that transition were to happen uh, onto greater, uh, you know, more calm things for Josie, uh, potentially. Uh, have you had anything anybody mentions this, this is just kind of coming up over the last few hours. uh have you had any connections or any like talk hear anything from the like the administrative side of the of the athletics department and everything regarding Selman and you know maybe this transition that they're they're he's looking at moving on into the SEC country uh
1: i mean i i hadn't heard anything any any rumors about this nothing like that no um you know i mean i saw it like everybody else um yeah. I mean, every I think I don't think it's much of a secret around Norman that mm-hmm. he's that Selman has been the you know guy who is targeted or you know groomed to become the next uh, AD once Joe Castiglione steps down. Um, so uh, you know, on the one hand, you can understand if you're Mississippi State, especially kind of given a lot of the chaos around there, um, why yeah. that kind of why that kind of figure would you know appeal to you um I I my hope would be you know that this is a short-term gig for Selman that he's going to come <laughs> back to OU yeah. just because I I think I you know I I don't care what anybody I think Joe Leon is maybe the best athletic director alive um and I I say that as somebody because I remember the kind of situation he inherited at OU way back when um and the idea that OU's entire athletic department is where it is now versus back then it's i mean it's uh, to me it's pretty phenomenal so you know somebody who's steeped in that tradition yeah you know that's that's definitely a kind of guy you want to have around around your uh, athletic department so you know i mean it, it it never hurts in that kind of case to to go out and get some seasoning and see how they do things in different places too uh, but my hope is that his long-term play would be to end up becoming the uh, athletic director at, at OU.
0: Yeah. That's something, I mean, just what, 22 years ago, 20, well, 22 years ago, man, I'm getting, we're both getting long in the tooth. Uh-huh. It's like 25 years ago or whatever. And Joseph, when Joe uh-huh. uh, showed up, uh, you know, in Norman made the hire of Bob Stoops. And since then the call you know, the football program has reached heights of the national championship and played for multiples, One, you know, the softball program is the premier program in, in, you know, college Mm -hmm. softball. Women's gymnastics and men's gymnastics, you know, are favored to win. Basically, every time they step onto the field, uh, you know, baseball making to World Series, uh, basketball having its ups and downs, but still, you know, having multiple, you know, NCAA uh, tournament runs of that nature. Now, Mm -hmm. uh, recently, not not as uh, prolific. Hopefully, that gets turned around. You know, the only program you could really say hasn't. Really blossomed greatly would be the wrestling program. Uh, rest, rest in peace. Uh, as we move into the SEC, I guess they'll probably go into the MAC or something. Uh, that's my that's my one niche sport. I wish uh, it, it blows my mind. Oklahoma doesn't have a better wrestling program, but whatever. Oklahoma State can have one thing. I guess uh, 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 it bothers me, uh, but it will be that. That is something that will be very interesting to see where Oklahoma goes into the future uh, and. You know, they, you can see how they've been creating other associate ADs for different things and that turn up seed and his role. You can see they're kind of getting to the point where Joe's potentially thinking, let's try to democratize some of this power. Mm-hmm. So when I leave, not one person has to do all the things that I was doing, because only one person could have done those things uh, to a certain degree. And I think it is smart to, you know, potentially smart to do that. Um I think a thing on if you're Mississippi State, I guess it's basically you hire the best guy and hope you can hold on to him. Uh like you said. I mean,
1: like and it could be that he gets there, you know, if you're Mississippi State, (coughs) you know, you could be he gets there and he loves it and he wants to stay there. No, he finds has to find somebody else, you know? I mean uh, it's it's life, right?
0: It is life. It is life. Um I think that kinda tees up everything that we've got going on, uh on the public side of things. We have some um some some content planned uh, off season. I plan on doing like a, a retrospective of each of OU's national championship teams uh, from the year they won it, and like the top songs and the music, and trying to pull some interviews and stuff. Trying to work up the founder from an historical sound uh, side bit of that. But the only way to listen to that type of stuff is to become a patron for four dollars a month. You get everything that we offer. It's not that much. Uh, we would appreciate it. And uh, we've recently launched an Instagram page. Wild, I know, with the kids and all these days, uh, it's just Keyhole Podcast. Uh, give us a follow on Instagram; that'd be fantastic. Uh, we try to put up little clips of this of the shows, little uh, graphics, trying to be as nerdy and and dumb and funny as possible. <laughs> just trying to get the kids uh, to come and come and listen. Uh, but I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's been a, a really fun year, Alan. Thanks for. Uh, I, I guess I we'll do this now. Thanks for. Uh, deciding to join us on this venture and being <laughs> oh, part yeah. of through the keyhole and lasting the whole year with us uh i, I appreciate it greatly man you don't you don't understand um I've, I've been reading your stuff for a long time it was really cool to be able to toss some uh dumb questions your way and, and you <laughs> try to church them up and make them sound like i know what i'm talking about
1: yeah <laughs> well thanks i really appreciate that man that's awfully kind of you yeah no it's been it's been a lot of fun and uh you know it's uh we go for a different kind of uh, a thing here, you know what I mean, uh, in terms of the vibe and and whatnot. And uh, it's it's definitely more my speed, so I've really
0: enjoyed it. Awesome, man, I appreciate it. Well, with that all being said, uh, again, if you guys will support our sponsors over at Vanessa House, best brewery in Oklahoma City, in my opinion, uh, and then also support us on uh, on Patreon.com/slash through the keyhole. Uh, with nothing else, uh, this has been a fun a fun fun season, and now we launch into the off season so for me for alan for matt who couldn't be here uh, i guess the last thing to do is sign off boomer god that sounded horrible